Buried is produced and distributed by KETR.org and is presented uninterrupted thanks to the support of its fans and listeners. Become a supporter today when you visit KETR.org and click donate. I'm Jared Knight. This is The Buried Lead. This is an opportunity for us to talk about some of the episodes, uh, most recent episodes, in this case, by number, episodes 13, 14, and 15. They're the most recent, available at buried.simplecast.com, which I don't mind uh, saying is our new hosting provider. That's George Hale. Hey, Jared. Really quickly, some housekeeping, if you don't mind me saying, uh, we had that issue not too long ago. When I say not too long ago, because some folks are going to be listening to this years in the future. In March, April, May 2019, um, there was some hubbub around our podcast hosting. This is not anything related to the podcast itself. It was a technical glitch and issue that plagued us for kind of longer than we really needed it to. Mm -hmm. And so we did some shifting and some shuffling, and we ended up with Simplecast, who has been uh, very good to us. And so we hope that uh, if you're considering making your own podcast, that you'll uh, maybe think about them as well. But uh, Simplecast.com, and we are buried.simplecast.com. That's where everything is hosted now. So you can go there and uh, download and connect through all of your favorite podcast aggregators like iTunes and Stitcher and Google and Podcatcher and Radio Public and NPR One and Pod, but not Podbean NPR Two Three Who knows <laughs> Who knows Podbean Yeah we're, also we're... also we pay Simple Cash they don't pay us even though it sounded a lot like kind of like an ad just then Yeah actually <laughs> now that I think of it uh, Simple Cash that this month's free right This is this is how that ought to work No. Uh, we want you, though, uh, to not only to subscribe, but to share with everybody that you know, because what we find is, George, we were talking off mic about this a little bit earlier today, that a lot of folks who are connecting with the podcast now that we are 15 real episodes plus a handful of bonus episodes into this serial type podcast, um, if we can... Serial uh, style, like not, sm- yes. small s, serial style. S. We would never compare uh, ourselves. To yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> we know where we sit. Um, but uh, people are, are coming on board, and they want to go all the way back to the beginning and start fresh and binge all the way through. It's a binge worthy, and now it's bingeable because now uh, after the snafu got corrected, thanks to Simplecast, you can go all the way back to the very. Just very beginning when none of us knew anything about what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, just just struggle listening through those first few episodes. And then and then we start to plane out a little bit. And here we are. Now we're at 13, 14, 15. 13 uh, published in February of 2019. 13 was. That was the one where we went to the, the prison. That's right. Inmate in Texas prison. We went all the way to Iowa Park, Texas. I think it's where it's based, the All Red unit, to uh-huh. meet with uh, Billy Givens, who was uh, is actually getting out more recently than I expected. But uh, at the time, thought he'd be there for several years more. Can I just say I yeah. enjoyed the clanking of the doors and the and the footsteps walking in. I think that, uh, boy, whoever your, uh, your, your audio capture crew that you took with you on that one. Yeah, uh, really did a fine job of, of really letting us know what it felt like to be sort of at the whim of the prison guards as you await. Yeah, uh, did we talk about? Did I, I don't think I mentioned in the episode the signs that said uh, 
no hostages beyond this point. Did I, t- did I talk about No that? hostages? Yeah, no hostages. Like, there were these big signs, and I think they were red, and it was just said in capital letters, no hostages beyond this point. And it was like a... Uh, isn't hostage, like, isn't that a specific word that means a specific thing? Yeah, because I was like, what, like, hostages keep out? You know, like, what does that mean? And I learned, you know, from the guard that basically the sign is saying, uh, you're on your own past this point, and if something goes down, we're not going to come in there and rescue you. Oh, if you're going to be a hostage, don't go past this point. Yeah, or like, yeah, I guess. I don't know exactly the reasoning for using that language, but that was what the point was, was that, you know, there's a point where we sort of consider ourselves uh, responsible for your safety, and this, you're going to be, like, by going to this area where you talk to the prisoners, you're going beyond that point. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. That's intimidating. I thought so. But the funny thing is, is that, like, there was no one in the room where I went, so it didn't seem any scarier than the one that I was in before. Yeah, but it had doors. That room had doors. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, luckily, well, Billy you, didn't try to kidnap me, so, you know. Better, I mean, you, better you than me going into that spot. Yeah, or the crew, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the crew had to wait outside. Yeah, they were standing out. Like, what are they talking about in there? There was actually, there was a time um, while we were editing uh, that episode where you had record what you essentially had to do. Um, and I don't know if this was clear from the the episode, maybe it was, that you sent one piece of equipment with the guard permission into the area where the prisoner was, and then you had another piece of equipment on the outside that you were also recording with, and then later we merged those together so that we had a good solid recording because we weren't able to get... Yeah. everything at one one time because of the separation that had to exist. Yeah, so like the yeah, this is so annoying and I, I'd never interviewed anyone in a prison before and certainly not with like, you know, like advanced audio equipment, right? And so uh you had to actually file formal requests with the um Department of the Department of Justice in Texas you know, in Huntsville. Um and I had asked about the microphone in a separate request and the separate request hadn't made it there apparently in time. Um, so the warden hadn't been asked if I could, uh, basically give Billy, uh, a microphone that he could put on his, um, lapel or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because there was a, there was, you know, a bulletproof glass right between us without any holes in it or anything. It was just a uh, glass and the f- two phones and one on either side. And so anyway, so we actually, it started to have cause like a lot of a big delay and argument between everyone involved because the warden apparently couldn't be reached. I th- also thought was funny. Um, like, you know, if it's like, so if you're, we're already talking about how you're on your own, if you're a hostage beyond this point, and then it takes, you know, another 45 minutes even to alert the warden to talk to somebody who's in charge. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, you're really on your own if you, uh, if you get stuck in there in a bad place. But, um, yeah, actually, but the guards were nice enough to let us, uh, sort of start the clock when the microphone arrived. And if this episode is calling them out as, uh, having broken protocol, we apologize for any... I mean, they, anything they could, yeah, they kind of, they were in charge of the situation and everything turned out fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I actually got longer, like more time with Billy than I was promised, which is only an hour. Uh, and so we waited around for 30 minutes or whatever. Uh, I was actually able to talk to him longer. And actually I think during that time I was trying to record the, uh, the interview through the audio piece from my phones, basically turned upside down and recording it from there. Cause I was like, well, this is my only opportunity to record this. I need to do it somehow. And so. It was going to be an awful recording. Anyway, Billy was actually nice enough to repeat a lot of the things he had said during the interview uh, since uh, he'd already said them in the first half hour or so. Anyway. Sometimes those things aren't very clear, though, to the listener that there's that's it's 
the links that you're going to in order to capture as much as you can in order for them to hear your process in trying to find the information that you're trying to share in relation to the story that we're telling. Yeah, it's funny when you think about it too. It's like that was like a two-day process. I stayed overnight there. It's very far away uh, from here. And um, had this... Here being Commerce, Texas, where we actually create the podcast. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it was only really to ask him about this one comment that he heard from a person, you know, from Cody. So... It's like you can imagine that two days are spent trying to get somebody to explain a sentence. This should take long, a long time. Yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. The investment was made though, and uh, yeah. And 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 boy howdy. Um, you can. By the way, if you're going back now, if you decided to hit pause and go back and listen to the uh, Givens episode again, episode thirteen, you know you can hear a lot of the stuff what we're talking about. Uh, but also feel free to share it with other folks you think might enjoy it. And uh, if you haven't yet, connect with us. On Facebook, that's facebook.com slash buried radio. Buried radio, even though it's, it's a podcast. We're in the radio. Sometimes. Yeah, we're in the radio business. So, <laughs> and um, buried was taken. And then there's the Instagram account, which is instagram.com slash buried dot radio. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close. You can actually find links to all this. I was going on about Simplecast earlier. If you go to uh, buried.simplecast.com, links to all those social sites are right there at the top. You can find your favorite logo and click it, Mm -hmm. as well as a link to um, a support page. So if you'd like to make a contribution in support of the Buried Podcast, you can do that there, or you can go to ketr.org and click the donate button. Yeah. Episode 14 was all about the constable. Cullen Smith, uh, who was the constable that Howard Parker supposedly reported Carrie uh, missing to. You spent time in Cullen Smith's widow's garage or outbuilding. That's right, with Emma. Yeah, me and Emma went there. I've extraordinarily hot day in July 2017. Yeah, Texas is hot around July. Yeah, actually, the day that we actually cleared out that shed, um, it was so hot. That was uh, the same day that several uh, migrants died overheating in, San, in the San Antonio area, I think, that um, were in a, a locked in some kind of vehicle. Yikes. Anyway, and so I actually threw up on the side of the highway. Didn't make it into the episode. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm realizing that that's, this is news to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you suffered I had some to, intestinal discomfort. I uh, Yeah, it was a heat stroke, I guess, or heat, what's it called? There's one that's deadly and one that's... The one that I had was not deadly, I think. But anyway, it was so hot in that shed that I was physically ill. Um, but so, and we found nothing. So good, good we spent that time. Um, yeah, Margaret Smith was really awesome about letting us have everything she that she could think of. But that shed, which was filled with files and documents, all from Cullen's life and work, somehow did not contain anything about the cases he worked on and stuff. So. We didn't actually find anything of use, but I still sort of feel like there must be more somewhere because there wasn't just nothing about Carrie. There wasn't anything about any case that he was involved in. And the hearsay um, has been that he was notoriously secretive about the cases on which he worked. So if they were actually his case files, there would have been at least something about some case that he worked. And presumably he worked more than one case as a constable in South Hunt County for as long as he was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing there. So, sort of like an ongoing mystery about where are Colin Smith's files um, about this or anything. Yeah. But anyway, so, so and we actually heard more in the, in the if you want to 
transition into episode 15 more about mm-hmm. him from sort of a different more critical source which is the police chief in hawk cove before we get there um there have been whether or not it's related to our reporting i don't know but there have been a number of searches yeah. uh, by dogs trained to smell human remains right on a couple of different properties that are related to this story that we're telling, the properties that have come up in previous episodes. There was a, a search in Waco Bay mm-hmm. um, in the well, a former, I guess it's currently a residential area, but it mm-hmm. was yeah. um, some open space there. Yeah, well, and yeah, open space and, and properties that people live on, you know, so and that then, was in January that started. And then there's also been, there was a follow-up search that included the property that I think if listeners have consumed the content in order, they might also have believed this property to be a quality search location, which is where, uh, if you remember in the very beginning, where uh, Glenn was was, uh, giving a ride to someone and she indicated that his sister was buried, quote, right there. Um, The right there has been uh, searched. searched. Yeah. That property. Yeah, yeah. We understand that it's been searched. From what we understand, yeah. I mean, like, I showed up that day, which is in May. That was the site. So the second search is in May, and the first search is in January. And there's been more than one day involved with each search. But, uh, yeah, there it was a much smaller operation, though, um, the most recent one. Because they were actually searching a, a much smaller property um, that sort of got expanded to include the one that, that uh, Glenn was... Alluding to? Yeah, yeah. So the dog searches have resulted in information. I know that that, um, followers uh, and subscribers are hearing the news as it's generated um, at uh, KETR-FM, where we're also following the story uh, and any updates that are produced that are newsworthy in real time. But have we learned anything from these searches? I mean, only that maybe she's not in the places they searched, but... uh you know, I always tell people when they ask me, like, you know, what I know about them, which is just sort of like, well, you know, nothing that's not in the podcast. And also that I'm probably the last person that the sheriff's office will ever tell. So, you know, I might even find out later than your average person. So, um, but uh, would it be true to say now in July 2019 that you no longer actually know everything that's in the sheriff's file on oh, the ca- case file yeah definitely i mean they've, there was a time when when <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. have said pretty confidently that you were aware of everything in the case file yeah well so yeah it's funny because there's a time that i didn't even think i had the whole case file because i didn't think it could possibly be it's so too small thin, yeah right. um then later found out that that i did have the whole case file as it existed in spring 2017 i think um by the time i actually had met the sheriff's uh office people, never the sheriff, but the detective, there had been a fifth interview conducted since the file I had was printed. And so I never had the full, I never had the file up to that point because I had four out of five interviews, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's been a fifth interview with Carrie's other sister and that, you know, that'll make it in the podcast uh, uh, before the end. But um, so she's been interviewed as well. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there, there were only four that we knew of at the time. And presumably your interrogation that took place with yeah. Vardy, that probably became part of the f- file, yeah. surely. It actually, no, I know it is because when I was able to get the recording of it, it was labeled uh, 
George Hill interviewed Carrie Parker case or something like that. So it's dead filed away as part of it. So yeah, I guess I'm the sixth person they ever interviewed. Well, though there's, you know, because, because, you know, all of the information that would have been shared would have been part of the case. Right. And including that, which you were not necessarily speculating on, but, but some of the things that you thought were important for them to know that in order to yeah. be supplemental to their case file. Right. And sure, yeah. now yeah. we are so far, uh, uh, in the future from from the time that that occurred that there's bound to be uh, more information there in the case file. I don't know the extent to which they're willing to share. I know that right. um, we have talked about um, and, and there's been information in the podcast that include comments from the detective yeah, yeah. saying that that you're that that because of the coverage of the story that it won't come to a conclusion so i guess my question is right true why are they investigating why well yeah like who's paying for the dogs if <laughs> if we already if it's already been established that the case can't come to a conclusion like what which which office is funding these searches <laughs> Well, I think that that line was just something police say when they're trying to trying to threaten you, I guess, because I don't think that the I don't think that they ever surely believed that. I mean, if they did, that'd be kind of just a sad sad thing. But no, they've certainly investigated. I mean, they're like I think the the Waco Bay search has seemed very thorough. I, I was there for the last couple hours of um the first day. Um I think I want to say I can't remember what time I got there, but it was late afternoon and there were trucks and you know sheriff's office vehicles everywhere cars uh, everywhere dogs and police on the streets you know it was very clearly a serious operation going on it was uh, with the the q center which is a, a nationally known um, search organization uh, which apparently volunteered all that time and so they didn't you were saying who paid for it apparently. i'm still curious apparently yeah, no one i mean apparently on that search yeah yeah the and january search right and then we later learned that they had, and I didn't learn this myself, I learned this from the Herald Banner newspaper, but then they called the... The, the Greenville Herald Banner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which uh, had reported that they had they had come back, I want to say that was in February, um, and searched the place again. Um, and I was able to talk to the detective in that case, uh, or in that instance too, and he confirmed that, that they had. And then I also, from what I understand too, that they actually tore down a structure there during the during the february searches uh, some kind of shed and uh because of dogs alerting or some, some something suspicious in that area so they get a better like smell or whiff of it all or whatever but um apparently even after after they tore it down and, and brought the uh, dogs back they still didn't indicate anything was under it so um and i actually don't know much more than that but that's what i've heard that's where that's where the the story is with regard to the dog searches. Yeah, yeah. And there's then, still a lot more story to tell though, moving forward because there's still oh yes. all of the things that you have learned, which are continue to be relevant to your understanding of uh, the case and how we got from point A to point B, um, and that I think brings us to the most recent episode, episode fifteen, in which you spend a great deal of time with uh the hawk cove police chief ronna mckeehan yeah and she is sharing her experiences as a young law enforcement officer yeah um around uh in and around an area where colin smith the constable was operating right and uh just some of the uh interactions there yeah she kinda... tells this sort of hilarious as long as it's not you story you know about uh getting arrested by him and possibly almost shot by him for Jumping back after putting her hands on his 
car. Anyway, found and the a hot heat. car that that he had yeah. commanded her to put her hands on. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's kind of giving you half the details. But yeah, so she was ordered to put her hands on a on the car while he arrested her, and she jumped back because it's Texas and it's hot. And it's important to know that <laughs> she was already serving in a law enforcement capacity at this time. She was in yeah, she was in the police academy at the time, um, and was working for the. Uh, the Justice of the Peace in 1998, whose name was Carl Keck, who apparently had uh, had her distributing uh, some kind of paperwork. Service to, paperwork. Yeah, yeah. He had arrested her for impersonating a police officer. None of that went anywhere. I've checked the records. Her story is definitely accurate, though, about being arrested. And, uh, you know, as far as we know, almost getting or having a gun pulled out on her from Cullen. Who so apparently you're hearing stories from some characters in this narrative about sort of the crooked nature of law enforcement just the, the the stories that they're telling yeah um indicate that law enforcement has kind of a dark side to it and you're also able to share stories from law enforcement officers who were around at that time yeah um and i think that that helps to tell this fuller picture because i the last thing i think that any of us wants is for buried uh, the podcast to get a reputation as sort of, you know, agreeing with the, any masses or whatever. I think that it's important um, to note that it, it seems like every claim is being followed up on, like every, every thread is being pulled at here. So we yeah. can, we, we yeah. can, can, and there's, and, and again, as we've said many times before, there's so much more to the story. Right. Yeah. No. And I think that like, you know, I think that episode two shows that like there are cops involved at least today, who are really helpful, you know, um, and are really, really willing to go the extra mile. Um, I've always said that. I mean, that, you know, that that people would be surprised. Not not every cop that I've encountered, you know, pulled me into an interrogation room and demanded to know where I got files. Other ones, others said, you know, get in my car and let's go and check out this area that you're asking about. Let's go look for, you know, this thing that you wanted to do. And um, and so I think that the, the last episode really shows that you know, you have sort of like a large spectrum of uh, helpfulness, at least for the podcast, you know, in terms of crime fighting and things. Those are all different stories. Right. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's been a quite quite a diverse set of uh, experiences for sure. You also mentioned in uh, episode 15 about you and I having a discussion right here on this very episode about a justice of the peace uh, at the time uh, who had been, has since been reprimanded for conduct, Dan Robertson. And mm-hmm. I guess um, I'm curious, who has the authority to reprimand a justice of the peace? Yeah, so this is uh, this reprimand comes from the State Commission on Judicial Conduct, which is an independent state agency uh, here in Texas that basically monitors judges and the judicial system and looks for or investigates uh, allegations of misconduct. Claims of impropriety. Well, I was going to say, it was like, how, how would whatever he was doing have come to their attention yeah so in this case this is one of the interesting things and it sort of gives you an idea of what was going on back then too it's just one of the reasons i thought it'd be really useful to talk about it not because i want to just go back into the 90s and look up every like bad thing ever said about every judge you know but i think that this this whole episode really brings to light a lot of what was going on in hunt county and especially in southern hunt county because uh the the complaint came from a woman who was sort of linked up at least as a friend of some people who were in like a biker gang called the Dorsai um, Motorcycle Club, or gang club. I don't know if, the, if there's a legal distinction there, but the woman had um, basically accused the judge of, um, of getting drunk, well, basically getting drunk and yelling at her um, while she was in his custody or in custody of the, the police. And so 
she was scared and she yeah she filed this this complaint basically and i think that that's what started the investigation um into the judge's behavior basically and did they was was that part of the reprimand was that something that they were able to confirm or deny happened so you know it depends on who you believe i, I also have responses from the former judge too he says that uh, while this woman was, of course, in, you know, she was actually arrested, she, you know, he denies calling her a whore, he denies drinking on the job, and those, yeah, so they, I don't think they can confirm either way, but they did determine that sort of his conduct overall was sort of uh, so, so bad that they wanted to, to issue this long, lengthy document. But he did take the time to respond to those accusations and the findings that they came up with. Definitely, and I think it's really important to, to sort of to talk about like so his sort of broader explanation, um, and this is also again another thing that I find fascinating about this whole period. So, according to the judge in these responses, he was actually working undercover as a as a police officer before any of this happened. In some cases, with this gang, uh, the same motorcycle club, and so you know, according to him, this is actually their way of retaliating against him for, for from bringing down some of their members is by basically filing these. Uh, complaints about him, um, you know, to, to damage his credibility. So he claims to have worked undercover and made some people upset, and then their way of getting back at him was by filing these. This is his take. What yeah, you yeah, yeah. Are, is it, are you making these, because oftentimes you do, uh, make the source material available online for folks to be able to go and, and look at? Is, is any of this something that you're going to be able to make available? Yeah, I want to. I want to be really careful about some of the names and just, you know, make sure I'm leaving out. Um, one of the things, so I've actually met, this is another sort of interesting thing, I've actually met the first person who filed the, her complaint, and I've also met Dan Robertson. Neither one of them seemed particularly interested in coming and talking to us and hanging out, you know, and talking about this stuff. Um, the woman in particular was actually found it very alarming that her name was in this document at all. She had, She said she hadn't thought about this since the 90s, and uh, actually learned about it from Carrie's sister, uh, Patricia, who had posted about it on Facebook and um, had given a, a different journalist um, an audio recording of her voice. And so, you know, she, she said that this was all very alarming and upsetting to her and basically didn't want anything to do with this. You know, very nice, though, very nice woman. But um, so anyway, so yeah, I do want to put parts of it online, but I definitely don't think that it's necessary to pull the whole, put the whole file out there. I mean, I, I Sure, but, but two... And one of the, the things that I think as an overarching theme that we really haven't gone back to, we haven't really introduced as a theme of this program or other programs like it, but certainly one that I believe in as someone who manages a news organization is that anybody can actually file, you know, a, a Freedom of Information Act request and right. get information, a public information request um, in order to get at information if that's something they choose to do. So if somebody out there thinks that there's a more complete story to be told and they know where to ask and, and, and what to do, then they can do that. Yeah, and I should also mention, too, that I didn't even get this document myself from the state. I got it from Patricia. Uh, Carrie's sister is the one who... Had acquired it in the first place. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, she made a copy of it and gave it to me. Um, we were actually able to get some some stuff, additional, additional stuff, too, to confirm some of those things. One of them was uh, I requested this exact same thing uh, just to confirm that it was the same, and it was... Um, and then I also, uh, from other people involved, was able to receive some of the depositions that sort of inspired this uh, investigation in the first place, um, including with Cullen Smith, which were not that enlightening about uh, the the entire episode, but they sort of backed up that, you know, this is coming not coming from nowhere. I continue to be sort of impressed, um, too, with the stick to of some of the family members, in including uh, Patricia, yeah. who had 
so much of this information. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I know that she did a great deal of work in order to amass this library, but she did things that would presumably have been even less difficult for someone with access to have done in order to compile this information. And it's just, it's, um, it's noteworthy that she that she took the time to compile it, that she had it available, that she continues to have it available. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that um, so that this story uh, can be told. I was just recently at a uh, conference where somebody said a thing that uh, the gist was that people in power of authority don't really have to work that hard in order to find an audience for what it is that they'd like to say, but people who who don't have that sometimes they need you know they need somebody to to help shine the spotlight on their cause on their story what it is that they're talking about and i think that this podcast and, and public media in general if we want to just wax philosophic for a moment <laughs> that's that's part of our our responsibility our role right is we are you know a lot of times funded by the public and certainly by contributions and donations of people who feel this way that mm -hmm. that it's our job to to put that spotlight in places where it doesn't naturally fall in order to give a voice and, and give, you know, access to an yeah. audience to folks who, who, who have a story to tell. So I think that so much of this has, has done a fine job of leveraging the available information to the benefit of the, hopefully the eventual solving of the case when yeah. we're seeing motion, right? The, the public is seeing motion Definitely. on yeah. this case Yeah, when it had been, uh, let's see, it was filed. The missing persons case was filed in 2010. Officially. Officially. Um, but she's been missing since 1991. And, you know, from from a public perspective, from the outsider's perspective, most of the sort of visible things uh, that have been happening in order to gather new information about this case mm -hmm. appear to have been happening uh, just in the past, you know, six, eight months as it's July 2019. Yeah, in terms of like what you can witness the police doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, 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 and very little in the way of official statements. Nope. I think that the Herald Banner carried something, but I was able to find uh, information about the, the Banner carrying um, a letter to the editor back in 2013, mm -hmm. um, which contained in it information about the case that up until a time when you were actually having conversations um, regularly with the sheriff's office, they claimed to not have, uh, which was years after this was published as part of the public record. Yeah, true. I mean, that, yeah. so there's def there's definitely information that was out there that almost seems as if that information was intentionally not being included as part of the as part of the record. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I hadn't so I'm, thought I'm, of it that way, but yeah. So no. it, it feels as though this this endeavor has definitely brought some things about, and we hope that it continues to do that until until there's there's information that that satisfies the curiosity of all of those involved. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that like the latest. I mean, I've said this publicly as well. I mean, but you know that I think that the series of searches that are happening, you know, that that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for like so many different positive developments occurring right and like and i think one of them of course is that all of carrie's family members many of whom have very big differences with each other sort of put those differences aside and chose to talk to us um about uh you know all these things because their you know their sister and their mother was more important than those arguments and disputes and stuff and so you know anyway i you know um i think that that's a 
basically people's willingness to just focus on carry, focus on the missing person, and um, speak up has really made a huge difference. I think we're you know we're obviously witnessing that now. Uh, well, and there's a lot of commonality too, right? We're not all of us believe that a person shouldn't just blink and disappear. Yeah. All of us believe that there ought to be more to it than that. Right. I mean, it's like what you were saying earlier, too, about shining a spotlight. I mean, that was Mark's reaction, you know, in 2017 when I had met Patricia and I was driving back to either Dallas or Commerce and, you know, I was talking to him on the phone and he was asking me, well, where can I read more about this? You know, I just said, you really can't. <laughs> so there's not really anything out there. And, you know, I remember his reaction was like, well, let's just let's just work on this until it's done. It wasn't let's make a podcast or let's do whatever, but it was because we didn't know those things at the time. But I do remember that was the reaction. That Mark is our Mark Haslett is our news director. Anyway, I thought that's at the radio station. Yeah, right. that's what spoke to what Jared was saying is that you know, there's certain you know we do see certain things like this is our responsibility. I think if you are uh, having trouble following along uh, online with what's happening uh, in terms of of buried and the episodes so far. That's unfortunate, as there's lots of places to connect, including Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's facebook.com slash buried radio. There's Instagram. That's instagram.com slash buried dot radio. Remember the dot. Um, <laughs> and then there's uh, there's a Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same buried radio at Twitter. It was actually just, just loading up. Uh, um, we were able to find Carrie's mugshot in, uh, in color. Um, we'd only ever put out a black and white uh, version of it. I um, was actually able to just ask the lawyer that represents the sheriff's office if they could just give me a, a color version of it anyway just as an example of something that's never really seen the light of day that's going online you know so, so there's more to uncover um we are at the radio station's website as because that i mean the radio station is producing the podcast and so the website for buried uh, continues to be ketr.org slash buried that's ketr.org slash buried and we hope that you'll uh, connect with us. We are uh, working on some new things to make sure that everybody uh, gets an opportunity to sort of be exposed to the story. I guarantee if you enjoy this program, you have a friend who enjoys it as well. Um, so feel free to go on and invite them to come along the journey with you. There are hours, and I think uh, we, we tabulated up that if someone binged buried for an entire day, they wouldn't have enough time to consume all of the content that already exists. So you'd, uh, yeah, we're talking a full 24 hours, more than 24 hours of content, basically what we're saying. More than 24 hours worth of audio. It's amazing. And we are seeing thousands and thousands of uh, weekly downloads. We know that folks are paying attention to the story, and we hope that they find it so important that they are willing to help us produce it by uh, making a contribution in support of this podcast, you can go to uh, ketr.org and click the donate button, or there are uh, click to give links on uh, just about everything. And we'll make sure that every bio on every social media page also has a click to give link. So we'll make sure that, that folks have a way to uh, to fund this. So if you'd like uh, to, to hear more, and there's there's more coming, but we would really appreciate the opportunity to offset some of the investment we're making. So we do think this is important. Uh, we think the story is important. We think that your consumption of the story shows its importance, not only to uh, Northeast Texas, but um, an interesting fact. Maybe you're represented in some of our listeners' that are outside the United States. We show that more than 10% of uh, those consumers of Buried's podcast 
over the last two or three months have been from outside the United States. Yeah, so uh, you Australians, we know that you're listening. Lots of Australians, <laughs> lots of folks in uh, Ireland. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's it's spread pretty well across the globe, which is great. But we we think that there are still plenty of folks who would be interested in this story. And and two, uh, like a secondary goal has been that if we get this story out there, we get enough people talking about it, someone who knows something will catch wind of it and be able to help. Someone who either knows something about what happened or someone who knows a resource right. uh, that can be made available. This has happened. It has manifested <laughs> itself yep. a number of times over the course of, of this podcast, and it continues to happen. Yeah. We are encouraged by the feedback that we're getting. We're encouraged by, and, and, a, and a really tertiary thing we're encouraged by are the folks who say, hey, this thing is produced really well. It sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, like I said, in a tertiary way, we are uh, thrilled to pass along that we are collecting awards left and right for uh, this program. It's being recognized as a, as a quality radio and an audio documentary about uh, this story. We didn't plan it that way. That's why we can't tell you exactly when the next episode's going to come all of the time. Um, we are definitely parsing this information in real time and getting it together for you. And while we realize for some audience members that's not ideal, most folks have been very forgiving and understanding as this this story comes together, pulling information from the past and, and coupling that with information that's happening in real time as the story continues to be told, as, as the case continues to be worked on. Right? I don't want to say solved. I feel like that might be optimistic but i i hope that it is yeah i can say that i would like to say too on that note that we are always interested in in anyone who who knows anything about this case or thinks that they might know something uh, please feel free to contact me don't don't ever let there be any doubt that i don't want to receive <laughs> that you know that that email or that call or whatever um, my email address is pretty simple it's george g-e-o-r-g-e at k-e-t-r dot org you can also message me on Facebook, too. I, we share some of my Facebook posts uh, on the Buried page, so you can easily find me there. I'm the only person who has access to that account. I change the password regularly, and I take confidentiality very seriously, as you know from listening to episodes where the police try to get information out of me, and I won't even tell them. So um, anyway, I just wanted to actually say that I don't think I've ever really said that on this before. and Yeah, I think that's probably important to... We typically <laughs> re- know, we, yeah. we typically share that folks should engage with us in in uh, some official capacity like buried at ketr.org. But definitely, if there's something confidential, you can connect with George directly yeah. uh, in order to do that for a number of reasons why that's probably smart if, if, if confidentiality is what you're after. But, but of course, yeah. you, you make your contact information freely available. Oh, the, the contact info definitely freely available. So <laughs> That's also listed in most places where you can connect with Buried. So continue to do that, please. Uh, we want you to share what you find. There's some really uh, neat tools that are available now where you can take uh, your favorite episode and grab it and share it mm-hmm. socially. So if you've got something that you think, oh, this is the episode that got me hooked, we're interested to know that. When you decide to start supporting, we're going to decide to start thanking supporters. That's going to be part of uh, mm-hmm. future episodes where we're saying thank you uh, to those folks who are uh, helping uh, bring this thing about fiscally. If you happen to know a business that wants to jump on board and support what we're doing, uh, pass them along, buried at ketr.org. Right. If you want to become an owner of a buried sticker, 
A lot of people want to do that. There's a way to do that when you make that contribution in support of Buried, whether it's a sustaining contribution or whether you're making a one-time gift, we send you a Buried sticker so you can show your Buried support on on whatever device you carry with you. Mm -hmm. If you put it on your shirt, you just should take it off before you wash it. Never wash it. Yeah, put it on your jacket or whatever that you don't hardly ever wash. It's not <laughs> sure. wash day for the sure day. Your laptop's fine. Yeah, laptop's fine. <laughs> Cover up that logo, like they do on TV shows. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Again, ketr.org slash buried buried dot simplecast dot com. The Facebook, the Instagram, all of that. Please connect with us. We want to hear from you. We uh, hope that you find this content engaging. If you support it, or if you'd like to support it, we'll help you with that too. And we thank you so much for listening. Buried is a production of 88.9 KETR-FM in Commerce, Texas, and of KETR.org. Its host and principal reporter is George Hale. Executive producer is Jared Knight with production help from Emma Anderson. Theme music is composed and performed by Brad Davis, and cover art was designed by Crystal Sid. You can catch up on previous episodes at KETR.org slash buried or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. This show, and others like it, from KETR.org is only made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. You can help make this show and others from KETR possible by donating now at KETR.org.